Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. December 7th. Earth 2. 1941. A world very much like our own, yet slightly different. A date which will live in infamy. A world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All Star Squadron. Justice Society of America. My name is Michael Bailey, and with me as always is the one man that I call co-host, because he's the co-host, Mr. Scott Gardner. (laughs) Thank you for that stunning introduction. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to refer to it, isn't it? Stunning. Right. Stunning. Kind of like the bug zappers, stunning. <laughs> How's like it going, that, man? It's going great. That reminds me of that commercial where the dude is sitting there um, eating the hot sauce and the mosquito bites him and explodes. Yes, I love that commercial. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but, wow, we're, we're back again after our controversial episode from last week which didn't stir up near enough controversy in my opinion you know i was in the uh, gmail today looking at that and uh, simply the fact that no one was calling for my head made me very happy so yeah i guess uh, i guess it wasn't as as bad as it uh, as it could have been well you, I, you, got, you got a compliment on facebook where some dude was saying how you you stood you stuck to your guns and i kept silent so you, you won in that <laughs> you, you won in that post sir <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I wasn't exactly sure how to how to read that post, but I took I took it as a compliment. I don't know if it was intended as a compliment, but I took it as a compliment. So I, I appreciated that. I, I tried to uh, and thanks very much to your uh, wonderful uh, editing skills on that one. I, I tried very much to to walk a line between how I really felt and not ticking somebody off and uh, again I think due, due largely to your editing skills I think the episode pretty much came off that way so um, well I've been doing this for a little while <laughs> but uh, you know I just uh, realized that uh, we both have a little bit of, uh, of preamble uh, before we get into the episode proper and uh I'm not sure which of us uh, which of us wants to go first because mine is just a little bit of hey I read this and thought you might be interested whereas you moments before we got started stumbled across something that uh, potentially is 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 very tragic yeah and, uh, yeah so which, which well, do you, you go want first you go oh first. okay because mine is mine is really not so much tragic as a um, well judge for yourselves have you ever read. There was a five-issue miniseries. What the heck year was this? Give me just a moment here. I should have been better prepared on this. I'll be able to tell you in one second. Let me just take this bag. Yeah, take this bag out. Take this book out of its bag. 2005. This is from 2005. There's a five-issue miniseries called Battle Hymn by Image Comics. What did you think of that? Um, It was touted at the time as being a... You know, like inspired by the Invaders and the All-Star Squadron. Right. I think it took that concept and <sighs> ran it into an area it didn't need to go. Okay. Um, I thought it was way too violent, and I thought the things they did with the characters made them very unlikable for when I read it back in... Um, back then. I actually reviewed that title when I was writing reviews for silverbulletcomicbooks.com. Oh, okay. probably still have that around here somewhere. Yeah, see, I wondered if you were familiar with this. I've had this for a long, long time. I'm pretty sure I got this. Remember that comic shop that was going out of business in Noonan? Yeah, you've told me about that one. Yeah, and I was scarfing stuff up. Seriously, dude, I was going in there and just buying boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff. And it got to the point where the owner was letting me get... I'm pretty sure I was getting him for... You know, if you if you broke it down to a per-issue cost, probably somewhere between a nickel and a dime per issue okay. on these. That's- all fairly recent. Yeah, it was incredible. You know, but they were all fairly recent back issues within, generally within like the last five or six years. And this this was a couple years ago. So, you know, from, from the early 2000s to what was then the present. And so I got a lot of stuff that... Otherwise, you know, probably would would have just, you know, escaped my notice just simply because it was so cheap I couldn't pass it up, you know. And I'm pretty sure that's where I got this. And it's been sitting there for a while and I've been meaning to get to it. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show or not, but my uh, screensaver on my computer is literally a cover scan of every comic in my collection that just cycles randomly. And one of the covers came up the other day, and I was like, you know, I always meant to read that series. So I dug it out, and I thought, man, I wonder how many issues this ran. And I looked it up on Wikipedia or whatever, and sure enough, it was only five issues. And I had all five, and I thought, man, what the hell? And it was a, it was a, 
frankly, it was a toilet read. You know, it didn't take me any time at all to breeze through it. And I both liked it and both felt very like, huh, about it. Because at the end of the day, it feels like a preview for a much bigger story. But yeah. this is it. It was just five issues. And at the at the end of it, I felt like that was a decent bit of setup. What you, what else you got? You know, and to the best of my knowledge, this this is it, isn't it? Yeah, it, it was it. So it was it was weird, but uh, I did get a serious. I got kind of a the invaders meets all star squadron meets Watchmen light feeling out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which was both kind of cool and, as you say, kind of off putting. Um. At the end of the day, I gotta be honest. I'm not sure whether I give this a thumbs up or thumbs down. Some elements of it I really, really liked, and then other elements were, you know, again off-putting. But my final grade was flesh it out a little bit more, and I think you got something. But I was just really curious if if you'd ever heard of it or if you'd ever read it. And I'll have to. Uh, do you know if those reviews of yours are still? Uh, uh, I'd have to search somewhere? for them. Hey, I wrote a review for the second issue of Lone Ranger. Did you really? I completely forgot about that. Wow, I'll have to read Dude, that. Dude, I did about, like, uh, a couple hundred reviews for them in a year and burned myself out. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember, because I didn't, because I, I would send them off as batches, so I don't have them written down what issue was reviewed in this batch. So, uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to find that, because uh, I'd be kind of curious as to what my thoughts were, you know, seven years, seven years ago. (laughs) Yeah, you know what, now that you say that, that's, wow, yeah, 2005 was seven years ago. How scary is that? Yeah, I was making that point recently in my Action Comics review that, you know, we've had now four origins in nine years, and that's really not a long amount of time, so... But, you know, it, it, was a, it was a matter of, in this story, that they pulled together all of these characters. Each one is, a, is more or less an archetype. Some of them felt like an amalgamation. Like, there was the one guy, what, what was his name, Midnight or something like that, that was kind of an amalgamation of, like, Doc Midnight and um, Spy Smasher, I thought. And, you know, all the characters were kind of interesting and all, and they, they all seemed like they had great potential. But then... It was almost like they had ad- adapted that issue of All-Star Squadron where everybody was called to Washington and then just sat on their asses for like three issues. Because that's pretty <laughs> much what this story was. They're all assembled, but then the government doesn't do anything with them. But they, it's never explained. It's ne- you know, in the, in the characters, the team comments on this several times. It's like, why did you assemble us to have us do nothing? And I thought it would end up being some like big plot at the end where they were assembled to keep them busy while there was some other secret thing going on that they didn't want them to interfere with, like maybe the development of the A-bomb or something. But it didn't go anywhere. So I was, you know, that's really why I thought that this must be like the first of like a series of mini series that flesh these guys out or and and it was so weird to get to the end of it and find out nope that was pretty much the end of the story and I was like well what was the point of that it would almost be like golden age by James Robinson ending with issue 3 you know <laughs> it's really what it felt like I was like well this kind of seemed like it was going somewhere I guess the world will never know the world will be- <laughs> that's great <laughs> And now the world will never die. <laughs> <laughs>
that, 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 that makes me laugh. That, that's very cool. Aw to the sum, yo. Um, oh, you did not just say that. Aw to the sum. <laughs> do, do you have a problem with aw to the sum, yo? You and your ghetto speak. Oh, yeah, because I am, like, completely ghetto, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Straight out of Compton. Crazy motherfucker named Michael. <laughs> so. You'd last about a minute and a half. Oh, God, yes. Well, you never know. I, I, I was recently called the blackest manager uh, they've ever <laughs> they've ever known. So. By one of the African American employees that I have, so I don't wow. quite know how to take that. Yeah, it was a little weird. Um, <laughs> I was once made an honorary black woman at one of the jobs I worked at, and I was never sure how to take that distinction. True story that I'm not making that up. <laughs> uh, I, 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 you can't make something yeah, like that up. <laughs> what are you high? Um. Okay, I'm going to trot out a little musical cue from the Tim Burton Batman film because we've got some late-breaking news, folks. Twinkies Maker preparing for Chapter 11 filing. Oh, say it ain't so. And to make it go down sooner, I will read this as a 1940s... uh, what are those called? Newsreel announcers. Hostess Brand Incorporated is preparing to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection as soon as this week, said people familiar with the matter. A move that would mark the second significant court restructuring for the Twinkies and Wonder Bread Baker in the past several years. The privately held Irving, Texas company, which employs roughly 19,000 people and carries more than $860 million in debt, has been facing a cash squeeze amid high labor costs and rising prices for sugar, flour, and other ingredients. According to people familiar, according to people familiar with the matter. Okay, that's just. All right, I just have two things to say. First of all, that voice sounds like every sentence you say should end with "sometimes dead is better." <laughs> Secondly, sometimes dead is better. There you go. Thank you. That's actually really good and damn scary at the same time. <laughs> Also, I'm going to call complete and utter bullshit on this whole thing because you know what's killing them? What's killing them is – I was going to say political correctness. I don't know that – that's not the right term. It's – what do you call it? It's it's this damn like – Ah, what is the term I'm looking for? You know how they're taking like all the sodas out of the schools and yeah. stuff. You know, it, it's that sort. No, I'm all about being well. Not to look at me, but I am actually all about being healthy and eating right and you know living a healthy. Yeah, that's that's great. If that's your thing, awesome. But at the same rate, you know, come on, let kids be kids. You know, and really, we're gonna we're gonna destroy Hostess, but you know, I, oh, it's so sad, man. Not the least of which is, um, come on, Hostess Twinkies and Cupcakes help help build Tales of the Justice Society yes, I was about America. to say, without them, where would we <laughs> where be? Where would we be? <laughs> without having to use them for comedy because we're just not that clever enough. Uh. You know what? I really want to actually like, I'm going to do it. I swear to God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a hold of somebody at Hostess and and see if we can bring them in to 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 do find out what we can do to save the Twinkie. 
Well, what's going to happen is that they're going to go into Chapter 11, another company's going to buy it, and they're going to hang on to the... Um, to that to those brands because you know everybody knows i mean and this kind of makes a weird amount of sense because recently in walmart there's been a hostess standee like right at the front of where the uh cash registers are now you've worked for Mm frito-lay and you've worked grocery Mm -hmm. and you've worked retail more importantly and you know that that crap just doesn't happen that wasn't a manager it's thinking prime real estate yeah yeah that wasn't a manager thinking hey we could sell some some apple pies here that was the company that owns hostess going hey walmart here's a chunk of change yep. put our stuff right by the registers so that might have been an effort to like increase boost say like uh what are those called um not spontaneous sales impulse impulse yeah impulse, impulse yeah. items yeah. so yeah, I looked at that and went, huh, and now it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because that's what desperate companies do. hmm They Absolute. throw money at the problem. <laughs> so, it's they really, throw... it's so sad. Well, apparently they've gone through this before, so they didn't disappear, but that's just, I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm ser- I'm really serious because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, we jo- we said it jokingly before we got started, and I just said it a minute ago. But seriously, this was a staple of the early yeah. episodes of our show until we ran out of comics that featured those hostess ads. This was something we covered all. So it honestly did. It kind of helped build the show. Yeah, it did. No, no, I I completely agree with you on that. I'm just kind of surprised that we're talking about like the business side of things more than anything. Right. Well, you know, wasn't it you and I that were joking a while back that, that they could totally bring those ads back today and you could have like modern heroes doing, you know, like RoboCop. I'd love to see a RoboCop hostess, like fruit pie ad. That would be awesome, man. No, I, I, I agree. I agree with you completely. And it would be, it would be awesome. But, uh, I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, I was really excited uh, about a year or so ago. It had to be more than a year ago because I was we were in the other part of the house at the time. Um, when I w- was in the bread aisle and I looked over and there was Batman on the cupcakes and Green Lantern mm-hmm. on something else, and I'm like, "Well, where's Su- oh there he is? He's on tw- he's on Twinkies. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> where Superman belongs." So. You know, obviously, for like 30 seconds, when DC was turning 75, they thought, hey, maybe maybe this will help sell some Twinkies. You know what they could do? They'd probably have to spend some money. But you know what they could do? And I would, I would buy them. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this wouldn't be that big of a deal. But I know it would work for me. Now, I don't buy that. So I'll have to be that's, – that's the first thing I'd have to come clean about is I don't buy that stuff. You know what I mean? Um you know, I don't know if my kids have really eaten, like, Twinkies. I mean, I know they like, like, you know, the occasional junk food snack in their lunch or whatever. I'll have to find out if they do. But anyway, you know, they, they like you say, they just recently had the DC packaging, which was awesome. And I should have picked them up just for the boxes. I never did. But, you know, if they if they had some sort of a deal with those old comic companies, you know, DC, Marvel, and there were a couple third-party ones, too. I want to say that, what was it, like Richie Rich or somebody had some yeah, hostess? So. Get in touch with those guys and start printing 
boxes with those vintage ads on the oh, boxes. That would be cool. I think that would be cool. And it would be like a collector thing, you know, to you know, collect all, you know, 50 or however many of there were because there were a lot of those things. I think that would be neat. Because I've seen a lot of websites in in recent years devoted to people that just love the old comic book ads that they remember from when they were kids. Including Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics, mm-hmm. which just put it as one of their new features. Yeah. Which is just I, awesome. I think that would be really, really cool. Or... Uh, you know, come up with some sort of like marketing, you know, put them on T-shirts. Dude, I would totally buy, you know, like a classic, like, you know, I mean, one of the really, really stupid ones, like, you know, Thor versus the Dingalings hostess ad on a T-shirt. Well you, well, you know what they need to put on there is that one with the penguin with the dude playing pocket pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or Bat- Batman versus the what was his name the 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 dog catcher oh, that, or whatever <laughs> dog dude. Jesus, <laughs> you know. But I, as stupid as it sounds, I'm I think that people our age or, or thereabouts that remember those, mm-hmm. I think you've got a built-in little niche market right there. You oh, know you that do. you definitely do. There, there, there's no doubt of this. I mean, you could. <sighs> Target sells enough crap t-shirts based on comic book characters anyways, most of which I wouldn't want. But yeah, Walt Disney comp, Bugs Bunny was in one, mm-hmm. Richie Rich, Sylvester the Cat, Sad Sack. Sad Sack, really? <laughs> what, is, what does that look like? What is... Hey Sack, a tiger escaped from the carnival. Wow, we let's go on a safari, and they trapped the tiger with hostess pies. That must be the meat flavored ones. <laughs> they were very rare. They didn't last very long. <laughs> on the Josie and the Pussycats. Oh yeah. Ooh, I wonder what that pie tasted like. Um, never mind. Um, anyway, <laughs> apparently either apple or cherry. <laughs> you know what i hate to put more on our plate with everything we've got coming up for coverage of uh leading into crisis on infinite earths but you know what dude seriously i i think we should just start uh pulling an ad at random and and doing just a quick you know like we used to and and just doing our private little save the Twinkies campaign here on on Taylor. What do you think? I I think that's a great idea. I like that idea. We've got plenty to choose from, thanks to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics, located at www.dcindexes.com. Because that that would really you know what what would really because you're probably right. If even if they went out of business, I don't think the Twinkie would actually die. But what I would be worried about is that then some other company would, would purchase that, and then it wouldn't be Hostess Twinkies. It would be like, you know, Farfignugan Twinkies. or something. And it's like, I, I don't want that. You know, the world, the world should have Hostess Twinkies, you know? It's just, it's, 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 a, it's Americana. It's a, it's a piece of our history. Americans deserve apple pies that are 500 calories a piece. <laughs> exactly. 20 years old working at that gas station i had no money hostess fruit pies were two for a dollar why am i putting on weight 
Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Oh, that's okay, because you're eating one a day, and they're a, they're, you're eating two a day, Mike, and they're a thousand calories, plus you have unlimited access to the soda. <laughs> Why do you think you're gaining weight, you idiot? <laughs> I really want to go back in time sometimes, look at myself and go, <laughs> Wake up! <laughs> idiot. Oh, man. <sighs> well... Where are we at? We are at. Oh, this is so awesome. Well, one, we're, we're back to discussing an issue of the All-Star Squadron that has the oh, All-Star yeah. Squadron in it. Um, which which is a rarity now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we are at the issue of All-Star Squadron that was the hardest for me to find. Really? Yes, I could not locate this anywhere. I finally bought it in 1998. It was one of the last issues I needed in a dollar box at that uh, one-day show that we went to that one time. Uh, oh. It's coming up pretty soon. Uh, yeah, it stretches that far back in that room. So, um, But no, me and a bunch of friends went up there, and I found it. It has an awesome cover. It is All-Star Squadron number 31, and to give you the lowdown on this, I present the man, the myth, the legend, Scott Gardner. <laughs> what a build-up. Only to let them down. No, uh, <laughs> this is, as you say, All-Star Squadron number 31. This is the March 1984 issue. Original cover price, 75 cents. The cover artist, the awesome awesome jerry ordway and uh man he really really pulls out the stops on this one this one is uncle sam and this is like the classic uncle sam wartime poster the recruitment poster where uncle sam is pointing at yusa and saying uncle sam wants you to save the world and running away from uncle sam is a bevy of superheroes we want to run down everybody that's on this cover um sure all right, you've got uh, – we'll, we'll just kind of go right around the circle here. You've got the Black Condor. You've got the Golden Age Superman, Plastic Man. We've got the Crimson Avenger, the Star-Spangled Kid, Green Arrow, Liberty Bell, uh, Robin the Boy Wonder looking slightly hydrocephalic. We've got um, the Manhunter. This is uh, – how would you describe – because there's two Manhunters. So this is the what? This is the one that lo- actually looks like one of the Manhunter androids. Yeah. You've got uh, the Golden Age Batman. You've got Phantom Lady. You've got Midnight, who I, I'm wondering how many people mistook him for the spirit in this issue. You've got uh, Johnny Quick, the Ray, and this would be Sandman and Hawkman. And it is really an awesome, awesome card. Love, love to see this as a poster or T-shirt, especially a T-shirt. I think this would be a great T-shirt. Written by Roy Thomas, who also edited You've got Rick Hoberg is the new penciler in residence. Mike Macklin is the inker. Uh, D'Angelo is the colorist, just simply credited as D'Angelo. And Cody and Costanza are the letterers. Story is entitled, Uncle Sam Wants You. We open on a beautiful splash page of the blue-suited, blue-fedora-wearing masked vigilante known as Midnight. Now, if you think Will Eisner's The Spirit... You've got a perfect visual for what this guy looks like. Running through the rain-soaked streets of Manhattan, pursued 
by full-fledged, uniform-wearing Nazi soldiers. In his hand, Midnight carries a mysterious box riddled with what appear to be air holes. That's air holes. I just want to be clear on the word that I just said. What's in the box? Is it Midnight's new puppy? His hamsters? Some gerbils? Gwyneth Paltrow's head? We don't know. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Midnight is pursued... All through the streets, he's shot at and he's hounded until he finally makes his escape atop an elevated train and, with relief, thinks that this train will take him to the end of the line and almost all the way to the All-Star Squadron. Meanwhile, high overhead, the winged wonders Hawkman and Hawk Girl are met in the air by fellow mystery men, the Ray and the Black Condor. The quartet lands at the former site of the 1939 New York World's Fair and enter the Parisphere, where they are met by the robot formerly known as Electro, now called Gernsback. Love this guy. Newly retooled from being an unwilling supervilling accomplice to now he is the butler valet and sanitary engineer of the establishment thanks to Robot Man and Commander Steel, who usher their teammates into the epic and very first meeting of the full roster of the All-Star Squadron. Everyone who's anyone is in attendance, and after a bit of chit-chat and playful banter, and even a tense moment or two between the heroes both known as the Manhunter, Chairwoman Liberty Bell... You and I are going to settle this after the meeting. (laughs) Yeah, I love that part. Sporting a spiffy new costume, complete with a Superman-esque cape, Liberty Bell calls the meeting to order, and what follows is one of the most impressive roll calls ever in the pages of a comic book. And if you'll forgive me, I'm going to do the roll call. We have Sandman. We have Sandy the Golden Boy, Wildcat, Plastic Man, Airwave, the Jester, Hawk Girl, Hawkman, both called the, by the way, the Hawkman, the um, Hawk Girl, Robot Man, the Spectre, Starman, Tarantula, the Guardian, Batman, Robin, Superman, Dr. Fate, Wonder Woman, Dr. Midnight, Johnny Quick, Green Lantern, Adam, Phantom Lady, Johnny Thunder, the Human Bomb. Uh, who's, uh, hell is that? Oh, the man, the man on her, the Vigilante, Green Arrow, Speedy Wing, the Crimson Avenger, the Star Spangled Kid, the Red Bee, the Black Condor, Dan the Dynamite, and TNT. The Whip, Mr. America, Sargon the Sorcerer, Mr. Terrific, Stripesy. Did I say the Star-Spangled Kid? I think I yes, did. Yes, you did. Okay. The Ray, Firebrand, The Flash, Zatara the Magician, Commander Steel, and the other Manhunter. And that's pretty much everybody. Well... Actually, no, it's not. Believe it or not, that's not everybody because Liberty Bell even mentions that there are several absent heroes, including Sir Justin, the Shining Knight, Amazon, uh, yeah, Amazon Man, Amazing Man, and Aquaman. Even the Blackhawks get a nod in the issue. Robot Man. <laughs> Robot Man and Steel hand out swanky new communicators to everyone. And after a quick pep talk from FDR himself via the amazing new invention, television, the team's first order of business is to squabble amongst themselves. 
Black Condor says, let the Coast Guard protect the home front. He wants to be dive bombing Tokyo or Berlin. Libby tries to restore order before things get out of hand, but is interrupted by the completely unexpected appearance of America's very first duded up hero, Uncle Sam. Love this guy. I say that a lot, don't I? (laughs) Yes. In Queens, not so many miles away, the Nazis inexplicably catch up with Midnight and a gun battle ensues in which Midnight inadvertently causes one of the goose steppers to drop a live hand grenade and take out the entire L train, killing Lord knows how many innocent people, which oddly is never commented upon. Back at the Perisphere, Uncle Sam is met with derision. He can't possibly be the real, honest-to-goodness, flesh-and-blood spirit of America. He just can't. And this August assembly, which boasts the likes of an Amazon princess, an outer space alien, living energy beings, and walking, talking corpses, and reanimated, uh, yeah, and reincarnated Egyptian royalty, are quite frankly appalled at the preposterousness of such an outlandish claim. Have I made my point? <laughs> Anyway, Sam makes his case that he's been whooping ass and taking names for the good old red, white, and blue since Valley Forge, and that up until recently, he'd even been busting up Nazi spy rings on the home front when a headache made him summon a vortex, yes, you heard me correctly, where he found himself transported to another America, another Earth, on which the Axis is winning the war. No! (laughs) We can't have that. They were the Red Torpedo, Magno the Magnetic Man, Miss America, Neon the Unknown, and a man that called himself the Invisible Hood. And, including one of my favorite all-stars, Our Man. But, Sam reveals, they're dead. Every last one of them, stone-cold dead. Sam carried on for a time, but eventually summoned the willpower to return to Earth 2, which brings him to his purpose in barging in on this meeting. Uncle Sam wants you to help him save another world. And this instantly sparks debate among the assembled heroes. The likes of the Red Bee, the Human Bomb, the Black Condor, the Ray, and the Phantom Lady seem perfectly willing to assist, while others such as the Spectre, Sargon the Sorcerer, Firebrand, the Atom, and Johnny Thunder express sentiments ranging from doubt to outright refusal. The debate rages going back and forth between the assemblage until finally Liberty Bell calls for a vote. But before that can happen, Bell is interrupted by the sounds of Gernsback trying to halt an intruder. And Midnight, worn and bedraggled, stumbles in and collapses. Phantom Lady scoops up the box the masked man so valiantly defended and opens the lid. Inside, the All-Stars are stunned to find the unconscious body of... The Doll Man. Next issue, Crisis on Earth X, the prologue. Or, How the Freedom Fighters got their start. (laughs) Very good, sir. Thank you. (laughs) Nice. Especially that roll call. Oh, man. I love this issue, but that's going to have to wait. First, we got notes from the All-Star Companion Volume 2. Let's see what we got here. Notes, the cover of number 31 is inspired by James Montgomery Flagg's famous 1917 recruiting poster for World War I, which was reutilized during World War II, of Uncle Sam saying, I want you, which in turn was influenced by a British poster featuring the historic military leader Lord Kitchener uh, created earlier in World War I. 
Hawkgirl gives Hawkman a hard time because the JSA never invited her to join, yet the boys, quote-unquote, went all gaga over that upstart Amazon with the star-spangled girdle. (laughs) The two Manhunters, no doubt unaware that on Earth Prime they are published by two different comic companies, take an instant dislike to each other. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. That was a great moment. I liked that a lot. FDR addresses the assemblance, uh, con- the assembled rather conclave, by means of that amazing new invention, television. His speech spells out Roy Thomas's original rationale for the retcon grouping. Just as there's one wartime organization for labor, one for industry, so there should be one large overall group to which all loyal mystery men and women belong, namely the All Star Squadron. Number 31 features Mike Macklin's last inking on the series as he concentrates on the just-debuting new mag, Infinity Inc. And stick around, folks. We're going to have a big announcement regarding uh, said title. The letters page says that in a certain sense, the story told in the five-part JLA-JSA All-Star Squadron crossover earlier is being continued in the first few pages of Infinity Inc. A better phrasing, perhaps, would have been to call the latter a sequel. A final letter page note announces that the storyline begun in in this issue was created partly to deal with the conundrum of Earth-X, the world first seen in Justice League of America 107 through 108 in 1973, on which the Axis had won World War II. Are there two Phantom Ladies, two Black Condors, etc.? Roy Thomas announced he was happy to have the blessing of Earth-X creator Len Wein for this story arc. There's some pictures in here. I don't know how specific these notes are to the pictures shown. says, Rick Hoberg's splash for issue number 31, featuring the quality hero Midnight, is in homage to the spirit, which is only fitting since in 1941, quality publisher uh, Busy, is it Busy or Buzzy? Busy Arnold? Yeah, Busy Arnold. Busy Arnold had asked writer-artist Jack Cole to create a hero virtually identical to the Will Eisner character, which Arnold co-owned at the time. The background sign is an in-joke referring to the popular Manhattan Transfer Singing Group, (laughs) which I actually made a note about that. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. A two-page title splash soon followed, uh, convening the uh, squadron's first ostensibly full roster confab and introduced the group's robot butler, Gernsback newly refitted by Robot Man and Commander Steel from Electro, the 1939-40 World's Fair automaton. Namesake Hugo Gernsback was the editor of the first true science fiction pulp magazine called Amazing Stories, launched in 1926. Science fiction's major fan awards are called the Hugos. Incidentally, in issue 31, and for a while thereafter, Thomas and Hoberg have Hawkman wearing his old headgear as drawn by uh, Sheldon Maldoff. Bell accounts for the whereabouts of Amazing Man, as well as the Shining Knight and the Blackhawks busy fighting the uh, Axis abroad, and Aquaman's image was shown to establish the Golden Age Sea King, who wouldn't make an onstage appearance until number 69, right before the crisis did away with him, right? No, that's afterwards. Oh, okay. Uh, he, He showed up, and then... Bye-bye, Earth 2. Right, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He showed up just in time to get wiped away by the crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> yeah, but it was well after the crisis that that issue saw print. So it's, it's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah, it's very... that's, yeah, that's true. 
Very, very, very strange. <laughs> and finally, never let it be said, writer-editor Roy Thomas made it easy on his artists, but Rick Hoberg says he actually enjoyed working on this pair of two-page spreads that showed virtually all the then-current DC superheroes and many of the quality heroes. The Parisphere's circular meeting room was the space occupied in the 1939-40, or excuse me, was occupied in 1930-1940 by the World's Fair Democracy, 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 I guess is how you'd say it, uh, exhibit, which actually, if you go onto YouTube, you can take a look at that. It's actually really, really cool. Uh, let's see. Chairwoman Liberty Bell's off-panel reading of the roll call and the attendees' responses were uh, alternative, alternately colored pink and yellow for clarity of reading. And Roy Thomas worked in a few character bits as well. Great job, Rick. And inker Mike Macklin. It holds up even a quarter of a century later. And yes, I completely agree. Yes, it does. It's it, so beautiful. Yeah, it's two back-to-back, two-page splash pages and if you could pull all of them out and spread them, it would actually be a four-page single-picture splash page that would make one incredible poster. So, yeah, it's great. And I think that's it for notes out of the All-Star Companion. Mike, what do you got on All-Star number 31? Um, obviously, this is a beautiful cover. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely gorgeous. I like the way everybody looks, and I love Liberty Bell's new outfit. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's really cool. I like the cape. But then again, I like capes. Page one, I missed the Manhattan transfer uh, joke. But I like the fact that on the bottom of the page, the character Midnight's name is written in a puddle, which is very much like the old Spirit uh, comics, where Eisner would like write the Spirit's name in trash falling into a like a, a river off of a bridge and all of like the papers would collect and write the spirit so that's a nice little homage right there uh pages two and three very dynamic action here to the point that for a second i forgot we were in new york i thought he was stuck in germany that's what i thought yeah and uh they do a really good job of selling that within the story and i think that confusion goes to the heart of why that scene works so much page four i love the fact that hawk girl is giving hawkman crap about the fact that she's not a member of the jsa but wonder woman is but she was a superheroine first i i totally agree with her on that uh, though i do like the fact that she says that she better stop this kind of nagging because they're not married yet that made me laugh. Oh, that's when the nagging starts. Um, the Ray and Black Condor show up on page five, and I always have a trouble liking the Ray because he was such a jackass in the '90s Ray series. Because he his his son became a hero known as the Ray as well, and he treated him rather poorly. He was kind of a jerk, but um. Uh, Black Condor. Ooh, God, I want to like this character. I look at that costume and it doesn't happen. So, <laughs> um, Not that the Ray's costume is much better. I like the fact that uh, the Ray challenges them to the Ray, a race. And Black Condor, even though he just met the Ray, is like, don't take that bet. That's a bad bet. He's, tr- he's just trying to steal money from you. 
Uh, pages six and seven. Gern's back. Yes. yes. That's my note exactly. One word. Gern's back with exclamation points. Um, I love Gern's back. I think it was a great idea to include him as the uh, as the butler for the uh, the All Stars. But you know, we get a little preview of how awesome the assemblage is going to look right there at the bottom. I just love the way everybody looks, you know. Uh, though it looks like uh, Plastic Man is stretching around the room, and it kind of looks like the Spectre is dancing around him. It's kind of weird. I don't know what kind of tantric thing they're doing. Uh, on page 7, uh, Superman and Green Lantern are moving uh, a piece of equipment into place, and you've got Liberty Bell right under them, and she's got her arms up like, no, no, over here. No, wait, wait, a little, little more, no, a little more to the right. No, oh god, you guys suck. No, seriously, let's. Uh... <laughs> now I'm sure you do the same thing that I do. When you come across a page like this, you instantly try to identify everybody on the page because yep. that's what geeks like us do. I have to admit that I was completely stumped on who she was because I forgot about the costume change. So I got you know everybody right, but I got to her and I'm like, who? who is that? And I'm like going through my mind thinking, okay, what woman has, you know, blue sleeves and red gloves and a red, and I was completely stumped. I had no idea who it was. Um, Phantom lady is kind of sitting there falling out of her costume. Mm -hmm. And she goes, ah, this group could use, sure use a few more females. And firebrand has this thought. You don't know Shira very well. Do you phantom lady? What? I'm really, really confused by this. I guess because Hawk, Hawk Girl doesn't, she's not welcoming to new females, I guess, because, you know, we just had her yeah, uh, but com- complaining a couple pages ago about Wonder Woman. So I, maybe maybe she's blocking more women coming into the, <laughs> the team know, or something. Just, yeah, I know. It's just mean. very, very, very weird. It's like there's a piece of dialogue they're missing. Right. To kind of connect those two dots for me. Uh, page eight. Others in this star-studded company are getting to know each other, too, with mixed results. And Robin, Speedy, and Dan the Dynamite Kid, plus Sandy the Golden Boy, are all arguing about who's more awesome. Um, I don't know if I like that, but it's a cute scene. I, I do like the fact that the Seven Soldiers are mentioned. That was very, very cool, and they mentioned The Shining Knight. And then, pardon me, friend, but I believe you've got my name. Your who in blazes are you, fella? I never. Manhunter's the name, and crime-busting's my game, just like you. Huh? You've got to be kidding. I'm serious as armed robbery, mister, and we're going to have this out soon as this meeting's over. And I just want to see that scene of them just wailing on each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and we also either are introduced to the concept or are reminded of the fact that Ted Knight and Phantom Lady know who each other are because they're cousins. And I always thought that was very neat that Roy Thomas connected those two particular dots. Why do we like that so much, but we don't like Robin and uh, and uh, the what was that guy? Bob Grayson or whatever his name was? Because Bob Grayson's kind of a non-entity. <laughs> I guess and so. these are two heroes, so it works out a little better. Plus, 
since they know each other, it makes sense that she would recognize him. Right, yeah. With Robin, Robin just shows up and, <laughs> oh, by the way, Bruce Wayne's Batman. Hope you don't have any gambling debts. <laughs> so, um, page nine, we get the first look at Liberty Bell's new costume, and as I said, it's awesome. Um, page ten, don't really like the blow-off that Liberty Bell gives Johnny Quick. Their relationship was always weird, though. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, but there's like, on this, on on page 10, there's all these little things going on. You've got Phantom Lady, you know, saying, guess we're starting, and Sargon going, Zatara and I were just comparing notes on magical spells, the Ruby of Life, versus just saying things backward while I try not to mumble. Um, dude, Zatara is so much cooler than Sargon the Sorcerer. Yeah. Um, in the middle of the page, say, Whip, how come you don't talk with a funny accent like I saw in the movie Tone News the other night? An early part of my disguise, my friend. One I've tried to discard. I am a Mexican-American by birth, however. And when I act as a superhero, <laughs> I am the Whip. Stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs> You're a um, dork. I'm a dork. Is that what you just said? Thank you. I love you too. (laughs) No, that was funny though. Uh, Pages 11 through 14. What can you say? But damn, Mm -hmm. that is so cool. And I love the little comments. Everybody gets it. Like it just makes these pages. I mean, they're beautiful pages on their own. And I would love like a a full poster of this to put on the wall because Mm -hmm. they're just, they're just great. Cause there's so much personality packed into each character it's not just a person well except for robot man who's just got that creepy smile the entire time but you know everyone's like saying something or talking and and, and every time uh every time i see the specter now i just want randomly him him to go his name is kulak <laughs> um but you know hawkman looks really bored hawk girl looks like really pissed at him the jester and batman are talking about what I have no idea, you know. The Adam is obviously staring at the Phantom Lady's breasts. <laughs> there is no uh, and and Air, Airwave is looking at Plastic Man, going, "That is gross." <laughs> I like that Doc Midnight thinks he's at a Starbucks. <laughs> um, okay, I uh, I don't want to catch flack for this because. I'm not really trying to say that there's anything wrong with it. But on page 14, does it look like Speedy and and Wing are getting along, like, really well? (laughs) Like, really well? All right, stop it. But, you know, I did have a thought, though, in that one uh, panel that you commented on a couple pages back that it's kind of a shame that nobody ever thought to do an Earth 2 version of the Teen Titans, because there were oh, a lot of cool. great sidekick characters during this time that would have re- really made an interesting team. And their driver would have been Stripesy. <laughs> he would have also bought their beer. Um, going back to page 14 really quick, when did Zatara steal Clark Kent's suit? <laughs> just just asking. I right didn't there. even catch that, yeah. You're um, right. Firebrand and the Flash look like they're getting along a little too well as well, but that's just me. 
Ah, so going pa- oh god that was so awesome page 15 aquaman is wearing yellow gloves like he did in the golden age yeah that is cool uh i love the mention of the blackhawks even though the dan spiegel artwork was crappy in the comic that was around this time um <laughs> page 15 yeah but what about us that got no belts where do we put them that's what i like about you wildcat you're a great straight man <laughs> And Guardian's like, would you guys shut up? <laughs> That's the look on his face. And then Uncle Sam shows up. Yeah. And the story just gets really, really awesome. Even though he's wearing those things that keep your pants attached to your shoes. How do you fight in that? I don't know. It's literally one of my notes. How do you fight in that? I love Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam is great. Um, pages 17 and 18, this is another great action scene with Midnight, but, dude, this train crashes, and why aren't the All-Star Squadron called in to help? (laughs) That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Seriously, it's, like, right up the road from them, so, um, the explanation of how Uncle Sam got to the alternate universe is a little, okay, that was, okay, so it just happened. Just say it just happened. Don't try to say, like, make it seem weird. Just say, somehow I ended up on this other Earth. And that's all you really need to do. Um, these guys, the Red Torpedo, Magno the Magnetic Man, Miss America, where are they from? And why do they seem really familiar? They're quality heroes, aren't they? Are they? I guess they are. Huh. I looked them up earlier today just to kind of get an idea of where they come from. And they all come from titles like, you know, like Smash and Crack and stuff like that. They were all those smoking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They were all those like expletive titles, you know. So but, you know, most of them appeared for, you know, a handful of issues, maybe a dozen or two dozen at most. And then this is the first time they're seen since the 40s. So, yeah, they're, you know, you talk about your obscure characters. I mean, Thomas was really, you know, delving way, way, way back into the Golden Age and, and pulling these people out. And I, for one, loved it because this was my introduction to, to people like that. I imagine it was for anybody, you know, any kid, especially you know, reading this title in the in the 80s, I mean, how did you know these guys? Because a lot of that stuff was not uh, reprinted or anything. And the only way that we knew, you know, some of the other guys, like, say, like the Human Bomb and stuff, is, you know, there was that short-lived uh, Freedom Fighters title in the 70s. Yeah. Um, page 21, once again, the Spectre speaks, and I want him to say his name is Kulak. <laughs> but, he, but his line of dialogue is, I have walked the corridors of the cosmos, but I know of no such other Earth. Yeah, well, so, what? <laughs> Just because you have... <laughs> it's almost like he's like, if I haven't seen it, it's new to me. Yep. So, uh... And and then Sargon has to chime in. My ruby hasn't such hasn't sensed such a thing either, Spectre. And I want the Spectre to look at him and go, "Okay, can we get a magician that's like real, <laughs> and not this d bag?" Because he's because Sargon strikes me as the guy that would walk up to Zatara and Spectre while they're having like a real conversation and go, "Hey guys, let's talk about magic stuff," because <laughs> I'm a magician. And they would just look at him and then keep talking amongst themselves. <laughs> uh, 
It is interesting on page 22 and uh, not surprising how the uh, argument is falling that all of the characters that eventually end up in the Freedom Fighters are the ones <laughs> right. that are arguing <laughs> right. that <they> should go. <laughs> I was like, you know, if I didn't know that, that'd be interesting. But I do know that, so there you go. And the very last page. You know, I don't think Dollman has ever looked this awesome. And uh, I don't know if Doll Man should look this awesome because he's Doll Man. This could possibly be his finest hour, and he's unconscious <laughs> during it. But it's a great cliffhanger. It, it really is. is. It's, it's, it's fantastic because you didn't know what Midnight was carrying through the course of the story. So to have it be Doll Man, that's just awesome. Um, Crisis on Earth X, the prologue. I don't know if we've mentioned this before, and if we did, I do apologize, but Crisis at, uh, I mean, Earth X was originally supposed to be Earth Swastika. Mm. I think, gonna... I think you did, I think you've told me that before, but I don't know if we've talked about it on the show before. And the, uh, and the editor of the Justice League at the time was Julia Schwartz, who said, there ain't going to be a swastika in my books. <laughs> so, for very obvious reasons. And I applaud him for that. That's sticking to your guns. But that would have been a great visual, though, when you really think about it. I mean, that would be a really cool visual. So, um, I'm just I'm just so excited. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm rambling on because I'm so excited. I'm like a kid in a freaking candy store right now. It's like I'm hopped up on, like, jujubes or something. But... This issue and this storyline and the next, like, 20 issues of this title are all freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Especially this storyline, because one of our favorite Earth 2 villains is coming back. And coming back in, in grand style. And the end of this story makes you give a crap about a hero that you shouldn't give a crap about. But, he, but this character goes out like a hero. And I'm just so excited to get to it. It's just, oh man, there's so much awesome stuff coming up on this show. Yep, I'm so excited. Hey, you uh, know, but, you you be as hopped up as you want to be because you know it, it's like you and I were were speaking a couple of days ago about. Um, I'm trying to remember what was it. The, there was that quote that you had that you had said something about how it was. Oh, it's it, easier it, to and any jackass can burn down a barn. Right. Right. And I, you know, I was telling you how much I think you had said that on from crisis to crisis. And I was complimenting you on on that, you know, that it really made me stop and think. And you're absolutely right. There's been a number of times that I know that we've done shows together and it has been covering issues that we liked. And it always seems like they're shorter and we give shorter shrift to, to issues that we really, really dig as opposed to one that's just like god awful. And we can spend three hours talking about how stupid it was and making fun. Ultimately, anybody can be smart, can be snarky and, and tear something down. It really takes a, a special talent, I think, to really find something that you love, but explain, all right, this is why I love this. And I'm really glad that that you and I really love this issue and, and are really devoting the, the, the full time and, and coverage to talking about it and that we're both so jazzed because you're right, man, this is a great issue. And, you know, I, I get through this issue and I was just like, okay, as much as I've enjoyed everything we've covered up till now, 
this is all star squadron as i remember it you know when whenever i reflect back on all star squadron these are the images that come to mind the full team assembling tons and tons and tons of heroes tons of obscure heroes that i really didn't have a clue who these guys were but they were cool anyway the parasphere gurns back you know the the fairgrounds just every you know element that that makes the team to me was in this one issue and it's just fantastic. I, this is just great. And I agree with you. I love where we're headed from here. We've got some epic storylines coming up, some really, really good stuff. You know, we've got epic battles. We've got epic hero battles coming up, you know, a return of one of my favorites and, and, you know, one of the classic tussles of all time coming up. We've got uh where they actually fight, where they actually fight. Yeah, exactly. We've got uh, some characters that are about to be introduced, one of which, you know, super obscure guy that most people would be like, who the hell is that guy? But I like him and I think he's cool. You know, so, yeah, a lot of great stuff coming up. Um, Did did you have any other notes to go over in this one? No, that was uh, that was it for me. Um, You know, they they mentioned Infinity Incorporated in the, uh, the letters column, but we'll we'll go into that more after we go through our notes and everything, because we've got kind of an announcement. Definitely. An announcement regarding the future of Tales of the Justice Society of America. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, this last is- the last episode, folks. Enjoy it while you can. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and Jose A. Rivera drives. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I've got just a, a ton of notes as well, and I'm going to try to be all hopped up myself and get through them as quickly as possible because I really – I think I've taken more notes for this than I have for anything in quite some time. So let's see. Cover, awesome. Uncle Sam, Black Condor, and the Ray all have Superman face, which, you know, I I'm, I say that somewhat snarkily, but also to point out that – uh you know, John Byrne's not the only artist out there that that reuses a lot of the you know stark uh, what do you call it stock faces. Because if you look at uh, at especially at Uncle Sam on that cover, that's that's Superman with a white goatee. It really is. But I, I like it though. I'm not. It's not a. It's not a harsh criticism. I just thought it was worth uh, pointing out. Um, once again, we've got the squat Superman. I'm I'm still not sure how I feel about that. I like that it's a little homage to how Superman looked during this era, but at the same rate, he, he looks compact somehow, and that's odd for me because I always imagine Superman being very tall, you know, almost almost lanky, you know what I mean? But that, I guess that's just mm-hmm. me. Um, I really like that... The star-spangled kid on this cover totally looks like he could be illustrated by Wally Wood, and I'm wondering if that's on purpose. If this is some it sort of small is. homage or, or nod to Wally Wood's work on uh, Star-Spangled Kid in All Star Comics. Let's see, page one and two. Yeah, I got the uh, the Manhattan Transfer thing and wondered if that was purposely referencing that group. And I know the character had been around long before. But I get a kick out of, you know, page one, you've got the Manhattan transfer. And then page two tells you that Midnight's secret identity is Dave Clark. And there was that group. The, wasn't it the Dave Clark Five? The Dave Clark Five. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, let's see. Page two. Fourth panel on page two is just really, really cool. You've got Midnight and he's, 
you know, he's just running full tilt, you know, leaning way forward as he runs and his ties blowing in the breeze. And you've got machine gun fire popping all around him on this brick wall. It's just a really dynamic uh, panel, really nicely drawn. I like that quite a bit. Uh, Page three, I thought this was really exciting. And like you, it totally suckered me in. I really thought that he had to be behind enemy lines somewhere. Yeah, I really did not expect that this really was Manhattan, even though it said Manhattan at the beginning of it. I just kept thinking, why are there uniformed Nazis in New York and, City? And the, and the sign in Yiddish. Yeah, that as well. I think that's Yiddish. It might be Hebrew. Something. I'm thinking yeah. Hebrew. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just offended like a bunch of people. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, on the very next page, it's the caption box itself comments on the fact of there being, uh, let's know, what does it say here? Meanwhile, high overhead and unaware that men of the swastika uh, stalk Manhattan's streets. So even the caption box confirms this is Manhattan. Now, maybe this is cleared up later, but so far it doesn't really explain why, why are there uniformed Nazis running around New York? But I liked that. I thought that sequence was really cool. Page four, panel one, we get confirmation of something that you and I speculated upon in a past episode which was evidently these guys really were mustered out of the service. Mm-hmm. And come on. I mean, their, their total combined time in the service basically equates to they went through basic training. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that at all. You know, it's, it's really, really strange. I mean, why even I, – I guess they wouldn't have known when they signed up that they would be immediately pulled back into you know superhero duty by the president, but still – it just seems really strange, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it is. It is very, very weird. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, page four panel. Well, pretty much for all the page, pretty much the whole issue. Hawk uh, girl's helmet is particularly ugly. I mean, now Hawkman's helmet is ugly enough, but I'm kind of used to it just because we see Hawkman frequently wearing really, really ugly helmets. But Hawk girls is just. It's just bizarre seeing that freaky looking helmet on a woman. Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird. I'll agree with that completely. I like on, uh, uh, let's see, page five. It's hinted at here about the black condors origin. Yeah, completely preposterous. Do you, do you know the origin of? The- yes, I, I, I know the origin of black condor. <laughs> he can fly. Because he was raised by condors. I'm serious as a heart attack. I just had this this image of him having to pay prostitutes to vomit in his mouth. You know, I can buy the whole Tarzan, Kazar, you know, Lord of the Jungle thing. I, I can buy that. I can even buy like Pecos Bill being raised by wolves or, you know, that sort of thing. You know, Mowgli. But... I do not buy a regular dude learning to fly because his parents were a couple of condors. I'm sorry. I just don't. I, I, I would love to, that's to a, have seen the image of him getting pushed out of the nest and just bullying <laughs> his, his dad. dad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as it's mentioned here on, uh, on page six, yeah, the Ray's not doing a whole lot better. Uh, <laughs> his origin is 
also pretty uh, ridiculous and not quite as preposterous, but it's pretty silly. And you can hear Mike and I talk about that. I did my homework for this episode, folks. Way back on Back to the Bins number 26, we covered an epic and hilarious issue of the Freedom Fighters from the 1970s. I think it was issue number 11, if I'm not mistaken, which actually talked about the origin of the Ray. I may have even talked about the origin of the of Con, uh, Black Condor. I'm not sure, but I know it talked about the uh, origin of the Ray. And uh, I think that's actually one of the funniest episodes of Back to the Bins we ever did. Yes. Let's see. Page seven. As I already said, my note was the same as yours. Gurns back. Love this guy. I love this guy. He's awesome. I just like the idea of the robot butler. Um, although he says, in addition to being the, the well, he says butler valet, he says he's also chief sanitary engineer. Now, is it just me or does that make it sound like he has to refill the tampon dispenser? Because that's what I think when I hear that. He has to plunge the toilets. <laughs> Gernsback. I'd like to see a day in the life of Gernsback at some point where he comes online in the morning. It's like dusting, makes Liberty Bell breakfast or something like that. Him with a plunger, him wearing an apron, making <laughs> cookies. <laughs> You know, I just had a terrible thought. Do we know whatever happens to Gernsback? Uh, he shows up in the 92 series. Does he? I don't yes. remember that. But wouldn't it be great to see him sitting in front of the radio listening to, like, a soap opera? <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Somebody needs to draw this, like, right freaking now. <laughs> Let's see here. Pages six and seven, yes, completely agree with you. Love this page. As I noted before, I didn't, uh, I could not figure out who uh, Liberty Bell was because I, I just forgot that she had changed outfits. However, there is one other character I can't identify, and I think it's because of a coloring thing in this issue. The guy that is behind Batman to our right. Between Batman's head and the vigilante, can you identify that character? No, because I can't see who it is. It looks like what's his name? Oh, that that guy that's a part-time Avenger. Uh, what's his name? Manta or the yeah, Ray? I'm going blind looking at this. Yeah, it's stop. too tiny. Yeah, but it, that, I like that. And like you say, it's a nice little preview of of what's to come when you turn the page. Like you, I uh, completely agree. Love uh, Liberty Bell's new outfit. I thought that was really, really awesome. And uh, does this stick around? I think so. Cape and everything? I don't know if the cape does, but I, but I think the outfit itself does. I, I, I honestly could not remember. Um, page 10, panel 4. I love how Superman is landing. Because it's a nice little homage back to the cover of Superman number one, which I thought was very, very cool. Yep. Uh, same page, panel five. This is a panel I like to affectionately call D. <laughs> um, she really looks like she should be holding lamb chop. Is she not? Yes. <laughs> what the hell is up with that panel? I don't know. You know, the art has been, it's, it's a, uh, how do I put it nice? It's not, I, I usually I'll say wonky. It's not really wonky. 
it, it's a little rough sometimes. It, it's a little more polished in some panels, and it's a little rougher in others. But up till now, it's been fairly consistent and, for the most part, really, really awesome. However, uh, the ball was dropped with this one panel. It actually looks like she's badly scarred on one side of her face, like like deformed or like she's had a mild stroke or something. You know, she's got a – what's that? What's that? Palsy. Palsy, yeah. The palsy thing. Yes, exactly. Um <laughs> but panels or excuse me pages rather 11 and 12 the the first half of the epic uh two page splash just wow yes wow just awesome and i love that the adam not a guy that i would typically uh identify with completely identify with him here mesmerized by boobies that's yep that's me all right Phantom Lady's got a nice rack. <laughs> she does. But weren't they bigger before? No, I think they're bigger later. Okay. And uh, I, I like that uh, as as well as staring intently at them, the Adam is even play groping a little bit right there in that. <laughs> <laughs> He's about to play pocket pool. <laughs> and poor Johnny Thunder sitting to her other side thinking, I never get laid. <laughs> <laughs> they never pay me in gum. <laughs> Pages 13 and 14, again, wow. Poor Vigilante, they didn't have any more chairs, apparently. And he looks pissed about it. I know. <laughs> well, he's got a gun. Gotta... You'd think he could convince somebody to give up a chair. <laughs> it's almost like the look on his face is, I know there's a chair in here someplace. <laughs> Where's? I don't know why Vigilante suddenly sounds like Billy Bob Thornton from Sling Blade, but uh, <laughs> I want some chair. Mm-hmm. Get me some biscuits and mustard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see what else we got. Page 16, the Omni Projector. I meant to look this up earlier and see if this is a retooling of something that was actually there. It looks um, like a jello mold. It does, actually. It looks like something I've seen. Oh, I know what it is. I finally, it, it finally hit me. Way back when we first see that thing, when Superman and Green Lantern are are installing it, I guess, way back on page seven, I kept looking at that going, that reminds me of something, but I couldn't quite place what it was. It kind of sort of takes me back to the 70s version of Superman's rocket ship from Krypton. Just just a little. I can see that. I can see that. It's like a cross between that and... uh, and like uh, like the neural neutralizer or something like that. It's really weird. It's not how you say it. <laughs> neutralizer. <laughs> oh, let's see. I lost my place. What the hell page am I on? Page. Okay, page eighteen. This is actually that two part sequence with uh, with midnight where he's being chased by the Nazis. They're actually on the L train. And eventually the L train gets taken out by the uh, the grenade. I I have to be honest. I feel like this is a really epic part of the story. Yeah, I feel like the art is it. it it's kind of weak, like it doesn't portray it as big as it should be. I mean, as we've seen with things like, say, the movie The Fugitive with Harrison Ford, a train derailment's pretty epic. You know, it's a pretty big deal. And I feel like, granted, I'm sure that, you know, there was there was a um, 
you know, premium on space in the book. I mean, a lot of stuff happens in this issue. There's a lot of material to cover. There's a lot of heroes to give face time to. However, I mean, an elevated train gets taken out. And I just feel like it, it could have been a little bit bigger and a little bit more bombastic than it actually was. Not to mention the fact that I really want to know what what happened to the P. I mean, we see other passengers on the train on, on page 17, the second panel. We see that there's innocence on the train. And that's one of the reasons why Midnight flees is that he doesn't want innocence to be caught in the crossfire. Yet, a, you know, a page and a couple panels later, the train gets derailed and there's mention of the twisted uh, metal and the gray clad bodies, meaning the Nazis. But what about the innocent people that were on the train? Nothing's ever said. And we don't see, I mean, midnight doesn't stop in his mission to get to the perisphere to assist or anything, or at least not that we see. So it just seems again, it's one of those like slightly unheroic things yeah. that always bother me, you know, like, it's like wow, <laughs> that went badly. I'm just gonna nothing to see, <laughs> see here. Run off going, <laughs> <laughs> Or or it's kinda like those Simpsons where Homer backs out of the door and then runs and you hear the car start and screech up. <laughs> exactly. Uh let's see. Page 19, giving Uncle Sam a hard time. Now, I probably beat this to death in my synopsis, but again, it, it did kind of bug me a little bit. It's like, seriously, guys, have you looked at some of your costumes and you're going to give this guy a hard time? I mean, look at the jester, for Christ's sakes. And then you're going to give Uncle Sam a hard time. I mean, what if he is just some nut job dressed up up as Uncle Sam? He's no worse than some of the other people in this room, you know? Yeah, the Jester has no... I mean, one, Jester first appeared in cracked, c- Crack Comics, <laughs> which kind of explains his outfit. I mean, uh, you know, the Red Bee? Come on. You got no room to talk, dude. Uh, I'm the Red Bee. That's nice. Page 19, panel 7. I love, I love this shot of, uh, it's, I don't know if it's meant to be rep- uh, reminiscent of like the, the Iwo Jima thing or whatever, but just that, that shot of the battlefield and the flag, you know, the American flag stuck in the ground at kind of a canted angle and you've got Sam holding onto it and it looks like he's saying charge or let's go get them boys. I love that. It's a tiny it's like- little panel, but it's really, really effective. It's like that scene in The Patriot where Mel Gibson mm-hmm. grabs the flag mm-hmm. and runs back into the battle. Mm-hmm. Or that scene in uh, Glory where, uh, um, oh, damn it, Denzel Washington takes yeah. up the takes up the flag and charge or whatever he says, you know, and they run into battle. I love stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you can actually hear the score come up in this part. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really, really great. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I like the score to The Patriot, so. I need to dig that out because I, you know, you, you and I, again, we were talking the other day about this, and uh, and that's one I'm I'm not as familiar with as I need to be. And you know, I loves me a good uh, John Williams score. I'm gonna have to dig that out and listen to it. Uh, let's see, page twenty, the Hour Man panel. Damn, that's a good shot. It looks like an Ordway Hour. It man, does. Actually. It does. It looks like something out of like Who's Who or something. It's. Mm-hmm. I like that. It that looks great. I I don't know why exactly, 
But I've always really liked Our Man. For one thing, I like his outfit. It's not everybody that can pull off yellow, you know? But true. he looks... I've always thought he had a great look. And I kind of like the the idea of what what if you could be Superman for an hour, you know? I, well, I... I I think it has to do with your rampant steroid use too, Scott. I mean, (laughs) no, I agree with you about his costume, except I I had at one point, I don't know where they are. um, I had like these little, like mini statues of the JSA. They released like three lines of them and one of them an hour man and the hour man one. I don't know if they did this on purpose, but it made, his cape looked like a bath towel almost. And I'm just like, you know, when you look at it, it does kind of look like a bath it towel. It does actually. Yeah. It looks like a hotel <laughs> bath towel. It sure does. Yeah. You're so, absolutely right. I didn't right. mean to derail you. There. No, no, not at all. No, I, that was, I, uh, that was a complete thought. That's actually pretty much my last specific note. Although I'm surprised I didn't make a, a crude comment about uh phantom ladies boobs on page 21. Cause they are, uh, they're epic. In an epic kind of way. Um, but yeah, as far as that, that's it for specific notes. I just pretty much just had general notes. Uh, and I think I pretty much said, you know, it was just the Perisphere, Gernsback. Th- th- this is the all-star squadron I remember. And it was just freaking awesome. I really loved reading this issue. It was great. And I'm so excited. And, you know, I don't know why we... Uh, tiptoed around so much because I just remembered that the letters page in this issue itself reveals... Um, who it is that's coming up. Captain Marvel is coming. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I remember reading that and being so excited. Captain Marvel is coming. Oh, that's going to be awesome. And it was. It truly was. And we got a little promise that does, you know, Roy Thomas sticks to it at least for a while. No more time travel, at least for a while anyway. So that was nice because, yeah, I like uh, like Thomas himself says here, yeah, I kind of burned out on the time travel thing for a while. So yeah, let's 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 give it a break. Yeah, I mean, well, we're gonna kind of time travel. How's that? Well, Infinity Incorporated <gasps> said the quote unquote present. Yes, so. yes, that's true. Well, let, uh, maybe it's time to talk about our, our our big reveal. Did did we have anything else? Was there any? You know, I failed to note if there were any ads worth. Uh, there, there, a couple i mean you've got a you've got a frogger ad and we've talked about frogger to death on this show um because that was the game that that woman that lived near you that yeah I, wonder, I was just wondering if i had already told that so i guess i did <laughs> um we've got a parker brothers board game ad for like pole position cubert and popeye <laughs> uh with a guy there that looked like wow he doesn't play board games at all. In fact, he's trying really hard right now to be cool, and someone's about to kick his ass. Dude, except for that spiky collar, that could have totally been me when I was about 17 or 18. <laughs> you, you had the, the, the Terminator sunglasses? Yeah, and the, and the, the, and the denim jacket, yeah. With, yeah. The, with the collar flipped yeah. up? Yeah. It's okay, I had a denim jacket, too. I had a members-only jacket. <gasps> It's, time. it's Redneck Santa. I missed him so much. Yeah, Redneck Santa and Spider-Man. Looking more epic in a DC book than Spider-Man has any right to. Uh, we got the War Room ad, which we talked about last time. God, you know, you're right. I never even... Why did I not even bat an eye at that? You're right. This is a DC comic. What the hell is Spider-Man doing here? I never... <laughs> can you believe I didn't even think about that? 
I could believe a lot of things. <laughs> so, um, Warlord toys, which are which are kind of which are kind of cool. Um, the Zorcom spaceship ad uh, that w- that was seen a thousand times. This thing looks cheap even in the ad. Mm-hmm. But you can make it into like a like a tunnel or a spaceship or something else equally as boring. But you can buy an adventure cassette. Journey with Zorkrom in his pulsating spaceship. Here are the awesome voices. Lasers, battles, and beasts come to life in dramatized stereo. <laughs> the hell is dramatized stereo? Uh, they so wanted to be Star Wars and yet failed epically. <laughs> um, back Inside back cover, <laughs> nothing like seeing a Miller High Life car <laughs> in a kid's comic book. <laughs> Uh, though they do have like a um, a bandit car right yeah. there in the middle. So I, I had I had a matchbox of that. And the Masters of the Universe video game from Mattel. So that's it for ads and stuff. Sweet. Which is cool. But yeah, we uh, recently, Scott and I got together and uh, got shit-faced drunk. Um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> And somewhere in the evening between the strip club and the petting zoo, don't ask, uh, we uh, we kind of put our heads together and figured out how we're going to handle what we're about to cover. Because we've got so much stuff coming up mm-hmm. between, you know, just Tales itself and then the crisis coverage that if we don't have a plan, it's going to be a freaking train wreck. So... The main thing we had to decide is how are we going to cover Infinity Incorporated? Because obviously we're going to cover Infinity Incorporated. It is so important to the legacy of the Justice Society, especially in the 80s, that to not cover it would be, like, blasphemy to this show. You know, it would be kind of against everything we set out to do. But how do you do it? And we toyed around with the idea of doing two separate shows, basically. You know, like at one point in the week, you get All-Star Squadron. And the other part of the week, you get um, Infinity Incorporated. And I'm like, God, that's a lot of work. Yes, it is. (laughs) So, and I'm not complaining about the amount of work that these shows take. Because it's fun. In the end, we do it because we enjoy it. And we do it because we want you guys to enjoy it, too. So, what we decided is to kind of go back... To what we baby come back. Um, I'm in such a goofy mood tonight. Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm like, uh, like I, I said, don't I'm know like, what the kid. hell's wrong with you either? <laughs> you never know what the hell is wrong with me. Um, we decided to kind of go back to how we originally did the show and cover two books in an episode. Uh, the first part of the episode will be All-Star Squadron. Second part of the episode will be Infinity Incorporated. Sweet. And we're even bringing back a couple music cues that everyone used to love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great, though. I think it's. Uh, I think this is really going to be for the best um, for how we're going to cover this. Because it is going to be kind of fun. It's going to be... You know, we're going to get to cover the best of both worlds, really. Now that, just to, just to clarify, though, that will be... 
what will it be mike will it be issue i mean uh, episode after next because next episode is going to be solely devoted to To infinity Infinity inc number one and then it'll be the one is it the one immediately following yeah episode 72 uh you'll notice a little bit of a difference in the beginning and what you're also going to notice is the show's going to tighten up a little bit too or at least that's our plan uh whether it happens is completely up to us we talk a good game (laughs) exactly but no um just just because we don't want the show to go two hours mainly for y'all uh screw them mainly for us (laughs) i was trying to be nice about it whatever (laughs) oh i'm sorry did i say that out loud yeah you said that out loud i mean we want to cover both (laughs) books we're gonna give both books the coverage that the story demands you know, because sometimes you can you can cover you know cover an issue in twenty minutes, right? You know, it's like I didn't like it, I didn't hate it, it was just kind of there. But you know, with with the issues of All Star Squadron that we're hitting, and with the first ten issues of Infinity Incorporated being such an epic story uh, that has been reprinted, so this is your time to order the hardcover. And if you order the hardcover, please go to tutufreaks.lipson.com and use the Amazon link. Yes, please. Um, it just helps helps the shows out. It really does. But, um, no, seriously, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I know Scott's looking forward to it. Yes. Uh, big time. And uh, I think uh, I think this is going to be a great era for, for the podcast. And then, you know... <laughs> Later in the year, we're going to be getting into crisis. So, I guess you're going to be hearing a lot of Scott and I talking about 80s DC comics. Listeners, if if you thought Mike and I were hopped up on something tonight, just wait until we actually hit Crisis on Infinite Earths. Because, come on. I mean, it's my favorite comic book story ever. So, mm-hmm. you, you think I'm not going to be out of my mind with, with giddy schoolgirl enthusiasm going into that thing it, it's going to be it's going to be awesome i don't know how they're going to react when we cover the indexes that's that's going <laughs> to be really hard to synopsize i'm just going to read it <laughs> you know what they'd probably like that you know you guys read the phone book once, yeah i was just so. going to say they listen to us read the phone book so you know they obviously have time on their hands <laughs> Uh, do we want to take a quick visit over to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics? Uh, <gasps> yes. Look at some covers? Yes. Because it's, it's another good month. It is uh, an awesome month. It really is. I'm trying to remember if I've actually got this issue of all of, uh, yeah, All-Star, of uh, Action Comics or not. And I'm not positive. I think I have the first half or second half of the story. I'm not sure I have this particular issue, but it's Superman and, and the, the Forgotten, forgotten Heroes. Yeah, I like that. Um, that Amethyst cover is pretty cool. Uh, I like that quite a bit. Atari Force number three has my favorite character from that book. I love Pack Rat. Pack Rat. One, his his name is Pack Rat. But two, uh, years ago, right around the time that Law miniseries came out, that where it was all the Carlton characters coming back together. Yeah, I liked that series. Um, I did it, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, but a friend of mine and I, uh, a buddy of mine who had been my roommate and eventually became the best man at my wedding, 
uh, came back into town and we sat down and kind of created our own team like that. It's like, well, shit, we can do this better. Uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, 23, 24 at the time. Uh, and I'm like, but we got to put Packrat in there. And he's like, really? I'm like, dude. And I sold him. I forgot what I said to him, but I sold him on how integral Packrat would be to the series. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, it's a neat Batman cover. Which one? Oh, the uh, Deadshot one? Yeah, I like that. I just wish the background wasn't orange. I think the, the it would work so much better for, at least for me, if the background wasn't orange. But it is really a dynamic cover. Oh, that's uh, Walt Simonson. I didn't even recognize that until I clicked on it. I think it uh, it speaks a lot to something. <laughs> the growth, I guess, of the artist that I really never liked Jandersema's stuff on Arion. Uh-huh. Yet years later the the stuff is that a he or a she? I always forget. I thought it was a she, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not positive. But his or her work on Star Wars for um Dark Horse has been just phenomenal. I really, really like that stuff. The uh, Batman and the Outsiders cover asks the questions, where are the children? Well, they're in the present, obviously. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> uh, what else we got? We got, oh, that Blackhawk cover is actually kind of awesome. For <laughs> pull up, pull Eagle. up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dude, DC Comics presents number 67. Superman and Santa Claus, the epic tussle to end all epic tussles. Actually, you know what? Superman looks really good. Is that a, oh yeah, it is Garcia Lopez. That's actually a pretty cool looking cover. That's a, that's a great story. Is it? That is an awesome story. I love that story. Let's see who wrote that one. It is Len Wein and uh, E. Nelson Bridwell. Very cool. I'm not sure. I don't think I have that issue, but, uh. One of these days, that's... Well, you have Christmas with the superheroes. It's in there. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I guess I have read it then. I don't, I re- I don't remember it. But one of these days, I really have to get serious about uh, finishing my uh, my run of DC Comics Presents. Yes. Yes, you do. Who's the cover artist? Oh, Paris Collins on uh, Detective Comics. <sighs> what is this? 536. That's a cool one. I wouldn't peg him for batman but man we're about to hit blue beetle and that stuff is just awesome did you ever see the epic cover he did i'm not sure if it was action or superman but it's clark turning in you know changing into super you know ripping doing the shirt rip he's in a phone booth but the phone booth is on fire yes yes exactly what you're talking about paris collins piece i love that who's the cover artist on uh Oh, that's that Raphael Kiannon. Yeah, I like that on uh, Firestar. I liked his art. Whatever happened to that guy? I have no idea. I don't know that I've ever seen him do anything but Firestorm. He did a bunch of stuff with Roy Thomas. Did he? Later. Yeah, he would. He, he I forget which comics, but he would. Let's so. see. Oh, that's right. He worked on uh, he worked in Captain Adam. I forgot about. It. But you know what? Uh, at least according to this database I'm looking at, beyond Fury of Firestorm and Captain Adam, he really didn't do too much else. He just kind of disappeared in the uh, the mid to late '90s, according to this. 
That's a shame. I, I thought he had a really good art style. I like this. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, number six. Hal looks pissed. Nah, I like that. It's uh, Neil Adams, yeah. We got a James Bond-esque Jonah Hex cover. You know, it's you You read my mind because that was actually... Uh, I, I was hung up on a previous a prior cover, but that was going to be my comment as well. It does. It looks like James Bond. Again, not all that crazy about that one. However, I love this cover. Who is... Yeah, it's Chuck Patton. Chuck Patton on uh, Justice League of America, number 224. That's a great cover because it's very Ooh, reminiscent of... Uh, Paragon. What's that famous Spider-Man cover? The Spider-Man number 50? 50, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot like that. It's very cool. I like that we got all the Justice Leaguers, like, capes and equipment and stuff just in, a tra- you know, in the trash. That's pretty cool. And the uh, Red Tornado's torso. <laughs> torso. He must be having a tough time getting around. This is where Keith Giffen got into... He basically evolved into an art style that I never really liked. And and I don't know that he's ever really recovered from it. It was weird. Uh, he has. Has he? Yeah. Because he went into that really weird experimental phase. Just like right, all of a sudden, like right in the middle of his Legion run, all of a sudden he went all like crazy with his art style. And I just never really dug it that much. Do you like that art style? Um, I liked it in the five years later Legion. I liked it a lot. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. It, it's it's kind of like my mood in the title. Right. So. Have you ever read Nathaniel? Yeah, I think you've, I've asked you this before no, about Nathaniel. Oh, I got to dig that out and reread it because I'm hoping it still holds up to as awesome as I thought it was when I was a kid. But uh love the uh, colon art in that. New Adventures of Superboy number 51, an ugly, ugly, ugly Frank Miller cover. <laughs> Why are your f- thighs so fat, Superboy? He's been eating Twinkies. <laughs> He's been eating apple pies like I did. <laughs> I like um, the uh, Perez cover on Star Trek number two, although the, the purple space is a little bit weird. If it was colored a little bit differently, I think it'd be cool. But it actually looks like... Captain Kirk is like lifting up that spaceship. That's what's kind of neat about that. It's like he's going to hurl that spaceship at the Klingons or something. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Take this, bitches. (laughs) Kirk with the power of Superman. That's an an issue I really want to read right there. That would be awesome. Did you ever read Star Trek X-Men? No. The closest we ever got to it, like a Superman moment in Star Trek, is when Gladiator punches the enterprise that was actually cool it's about as silly as it sounds but it was cool because kirk's reaction is did he just punch the enterprise it was it's really cool i like the supergirl cover nice s yes that's just what i was going to say too <laughs> the day they nuked superman those sons of it's a bitch bitches <laughs> it's a good ed hannigan cover though it is it's really nice Ooh, cover uh cover inked by murphy anderson i likes me some murphy is he still around 
Uh, yes, I actually got to meet him in 2008. You know, I think every time his name comes up, I ask you that same question. I'm just going to tell that same trend, story yeah. because we keep forgetting. <laughs> Dumbass. I have never been able to decide whether I like this cover on Superman special number two or whether I think it's kind of just. I think it's kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of these specials. Mainly because, as we've discussed in the past, I'm not a big fan of Gil Kane drawing Superman in this era. Oh, so, I know it hurts your feelings every it time. Does. I say it does. You but... just made the baby cry. <laughs> did I make the baby Jesus cry? You did you make the baby Jesus cry? That's even worse. <laughs> this is gonna happen anyways. Though, uh, on a completely non-comic front my wife and i went to hobby lobby last weekend on our little shopping excursion and they had this giant manger that basically you would you know you could put like you know people in to do like a a a live manger scene and uh what i wanted to do was take it put it in front of my uh uh put it in the front yard and put and write no room at the inn home birthing center (laughs) but (laughs) You're wrong, dude. I am seriously wrong. I like this cover to Vigilante number four where he's going, damn it, how do you do this anyway? (laughs) You know, I'm going to die before I figure out how this ladder works. (laughs) And Warlord number four, all I got to say is, girl, shave that thing. Jesus. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Here's a little personal information right there at the end of the episode. (laughs) TMI. Will it stay in? <laughs> well, if we get letters, we'll find out. Um, the Wonder Woman cover is kind of boring, though. It looks like Superman ate a bunch of hot wings and then wiped his eyes with his hands without wiping them off first. With the <laughs> Batman's going, dude, I don't want to get pink eye. <laughs> he was. It was given to him by Scott Bayo. <laughs> Scott Bayo gave him pink eye. Who the hell is that orange guy? Uh, I'm checking that out right now, and it doesn't say, but it was written by Dan Mishkin and Gary Kahn. It's got to be fairly awesome, then, you would think. uh, It's got to be funny, at the very least. I was about to say, but World's Finest lets me down in this era every single... It's it's so depressing, dude. Dude, you got to track down that issue, and I'm pretty darn sure it's drawn by um, uh, Rich Buckler. I'm not sure who the, the writer is. But it's that issue where Robin and Superman are desperately trying to find Batman because he's been buried alive. Have you ever read that one? No. Oh, I need that's to. awesome. I it's awesome. Got to read that oh. one. Damn, dude. I looked ahead to next month. Holy crap. We're going to have to carve out like an hour. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm flipping ahead. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is going to be serious. Hey, I love this era. What can I say? This is when I was really fully getting into comics, you know, and, and really just buying so much of what was coming out on the stands. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Well, well, I brought us in, so that means I'm bringing us out. And guess who's not ready for that yet? <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, because yeah, I'm really good at filling up airtime until I find it and can open up. Just ignore the clicking, folks, because it's not really uh, it's not really happening. Um, but yes, as we said, starting uh, next week, we're going to be covering Infinity Incorporated number one, giving it the due it deserves. 
Um, then the week after, we're going to start covering two books a month. Or two books a week, excuse me. One month a week, I guess I should say. But keeping in all the fun stuff like Elsewhere and the DC Multiverse, which uh, Charlie and J. David do over on Superman and the Bronze Age as well. Oh, do they? Yes, they do. Very cool. Um, they owe us money. <laughs> but anyways, that is it for this week, folks. Unless Scott has anything to add. Day. Brilliant. <sighs> <laughs> I, I heard our good friend Andy Leland. Leland! <laughs> I don't have that clip, so. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm. It's t- it's two o'clock in the morning, and I am tired. Um, be sure to visit our website at www.twotruefreaks.lipson.com for more exciting podcasts. Featuring both Scott and myself, I will not read my own name, as well as several <laughs> other your name sad, here, <laughs> as well as several other sad and pathetic human beings who've got nothing better to do with their time but talk about funny books and Godzilla, and Star <laughs> Wars, and Star Trek, and apparently Cobra Commander was kind of a dick to me, so I've got I've got to hear what that's all about. Um, Join our forum at www.forumforgeeks.com where you can comment on this week's show and interact with us and your fellow listeners. We have built a great, fun, and friendly community there, and we'd love you to be a part of it. As always, you can reach us at email... Wow, I can't believe I fucked that up. (laughs) As always, you can reach us by email at talesofthejsa.gmail.com this is all staying in. That's gotta stay in. <laughs> as always, you can as always you can always reach us by email. Always. Tales of, <laughs> always. <laughs> as always, you can reach us by email at tales of the JSA at gmail.com. Spammers need not apply. And and and, and on that note, folks, if Scott like and if Scott and I could actually find the guy that's spamming our account, we'd beat the hell out of him. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> and of course, Scott and I are both on Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, if you enjoy this show, won't you please take a moment to mention us on the social networking site of your choice, whatever you're li- whenever you're listening? Word of mouth is still the best way to let others know about our show, and we really appreciate your helping to growing our listenership. Thank you so much for listening, folks, and be sure to join us next time for Tales of the Justice Society of America. Let's remember Pearl Harbor as we go to meet the foe. Let's remember Pearl Harbor as we get the Alamo. We will always remember how they died for liberty. Let's remember Pearl Harbor and go on to build.